0: Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for
3: details.
4: This is episode 42 of Allo Mora. For August 3rd, 2013. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mora. I am Eric Skull. I'm Michael Harley.
3: And I'm Terrence Pinkston. And today, we have a special guest, Rukmini Girish. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. How's it going?
1: It's going well. Glad to be on the show.
3: Yeah, thanks for coming on the episode this week.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad to be here.
4: So what, um, what brings you here? What do you do?
1: Uh, I am going to be a junior in college, studying creative writing and sociology. I have been a fan of the Harry Potter books since I was six, which is when my mom started reading the first one to me. And uh, yeah, I started listening to the show pretty much from the beginning, and have always been a big fan.
4: Very cool. Thanks. Um, and this is a, a quite a special episode. We were talking uh, for a moment just before recording because um, Michael, Terrence, you've all guest hosted on here before. Yeah. But as it turns out, we do not mm. have Caleb or Laura or Cat or Rosie yeah. on this episode with us. This is like almost an entire, almost entirely a guest host podcast um which is we'll we'll see how we how we do it if we um you know if we get asked back after this week's episode we'll we did, we did fine. <laughs> so i think this we is, should
3: cut our losses now good night everybody we're we'll carrying
4: that. the torch um because a number of the Alhamora uh podcasters are in england and uh, more specifically, the Plain of Salisbury, where they were this morning. Isn't that right, Terrence?
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kat and Caleb and uh, Alex from MuggleNet. Uh, she runs the social media outlets with me. They FaceTimed me from Stonehenge. And I was I was sitting there in Best Buy. And, you know, I picked up <laughs> the FaceTime because I knew that they were somewhere in Europe. Um, and so I picked up and they were right there. And Stonehenge was in the background. It was a lot of fun to, uh, to FaceTime from Stonehenge.
4: Correct me if I'm wrong, but don't you need to FaceTime if you are? Can you only FaceTime if you're both connected to Wi-Fi?
3: That's what that, I thought too. And I was, you know, what I'm scared for? I'm scared for the data charges. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: right. Because well, why is there Wi-Fi at Stonehenge? That's bothering me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that, that maybe it, maybe it's maybe it's been there longer than Wi-Fi itself.
1: It's just part yeah. of the magic of Stonehenge. Yeah, I like that. That's magic.
4: <laughs> No, that's good. Well, the the data charges. Well, the the thing of it is, is like following these guys on social media now, because they're doing this huge European tour. You'll hear more about it, I believe, on next week's episode of Alhamur, by the way. But following these guys on social media is grueling. I hate to say that. It is. But seeing them with all of these excellent, brilliant photographs, and I, I just, I have to give a shout out to... Um, their social media because they are posting uh, a lot of good photos. Kat has a lot of good coverage up of just the the Europe trip that they're doing. And they went to Privet Drive and a number of other things. But Mm -hmm. that's the reason they can't be there this week. Just if any one of the uh, regular, you know, if any regular listeners were wondering, um, they are on a tour.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
4: And And uh, a a self-driven tour across. They are. They're going
3: up through Scotland. Can you believe that? Visiting all the Harry Potter film sites out there. I'm so
2: jealous. It's, like an, oh. it's, all a, it's an epic precursor to LeakyCon London, right? This is isn't this a meeting it, yeah. of the not of the of the not going to Leaky London? <laughs> that was an official oh, club Michael. we started in Portland, so Yes, that's right. Well, you did.
4: At the bus stop, right? That's where it was christened. Yep. Yes. And and named. But uh, we were waiting for the bus late one night. But uh, no, guys, you know what I do when I'm jealous that other people are traveling and I'm not? I bury my head into a Potter book. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, guys, we have a couple of comments on last week's discussion on Alohomora, and uh, specifically on the Mischief Managed forums on Vernon Remembering Molly. And Akia Rain starts out by saying, One thing I thought about while listening to the podcast. A lot of muggle families raise witches and wizards who don't know about it until the child's 11th birthday. Surely the Dursleys can't be the only ho- household who rejects witchcraft. What happens to the children of these parents in other cases? Normally, I would like to input my own suggestion as to the theoretical outcome, but this time I really have no idea. So what do you guys think?
1: I would think that somebody from the ministry would probably come and explain or persuade gently.
4: It, yeah, that's the way it normally works, <laughs> isn't it? Gently meaning without wand.
1: Yeah well maybe at first i i don't know
4: yeah well i that's that it's a great question and i had to think of this while listening to last week's chapter as well because you know magic it just seems like it's such a cool thing that anybody who's told that they're part of a larger world would just like flock to it you know like oh this is so cool i can do this and this yeah. and this like yeah. how could they ever get a single rejection you know if if they but but then at the same time it's an issue because it's a, a secrecy issue, you know, there are laws that govern the secrecy and it's not as simple as putting a memory charm on someone who's a wizard, you know, because eventually the magic comes out. Yeah, that w- that's right. That would be a problem.
3: Yeah, two things about this comment that I would like to, uh, ha- have an input on. One, do you think the ministry official or whoever goes out there in, you know, in Tom Riddle's case, it was, it was, uh, Dumbledore who went out there to mm-hmm. visit him. But do you think that they take Felix Felicius before they go out just to, you know,
2: get that lucky <laughs> <The design.
3: scenario laughs> a little better? <laughs> and, I don't, I, I
2: don't think so. <laughs> That's a great idea but I think isn't doesn't Slughorn make clear that Felix releases the use of it is very regulated like if it like it's it's not recommended still,
4: still if you ever need to succeed at something it's making sure that these parents are going to accept <laughs> this new life for their children I I wonder because it's kind of like a little bit of a hole in the series just only because Harry found out so close to the time when he was going to enroll in Hogwarts. You know, his name was down ever since he was born. Um, but he only really found out two or three months before school. Like that's a, a paradigm shift. You're thinking about going into like four, is it fourth grade or something? And instead, Oh, you're going to wizard school. Like it's a lot to digest in a short amount of time if they wait as long as they waited for Harry. But then again, I guess his letter came a bit earlier than his birthday. It was just a matter of Vernon and them. Running away from the letters, but still, it's you need someone there in person. I think for sure.
3: Well, do you think that being said, with the the families that reject witchcraft, do you think in order to protect that statute of secrecy for for the magical community, that the ministry official or whoever goes out there performs a memory charm on the on the family? Well, we do have
4: some more comments on the question. I think. Yeah. So let's see if any of those answer. Your question, Terrence.
3: I hate spiders, says a very wonderful username, by the way. Um, I, think, <laughs> I don't think that they would forcibly take the child from their parents and ship them off to Hogwarts if the parents didn't want them to go. Remember, Harry's parents would have wanted him to go to Hogwarts, so everyone was willing to disregard the guardian's wishes. If this was the way that things were done, muggles would eventually figure it out. One of the muggle-born children would eventually tell their parents then the wizarding world would be exposed what if you had a kid that didn't want to go would they be forced to go not every kid wants to go to boarding school not every kid wants to leave home and not every kid would be thrilled to find out that they were magical either can
2: i just say that like this sparked a a a pretty epic discussion in the forums Oddly enough, that a lot of people were split on this, and actually I was too when I realized that the consequence, if you cannot sway the child and the parents and or the parents to go, is that you have a magical child who's potentially dangerous to society um, Mm. uh, out there. And and even if the knowledge, like we said, is erased from their memories, there's still the potential for that magic to, especially because it's made clear in the series that Magic, unmitigated magic, is very very dangerous. Mm-hmm. So that it's got it has to be controlled somehow. It's got to be taught how to control it because right she makes clear J.K. Rowling makes clear that wands kind of channel. They're an extension of a wizard, and they channeled the magic. And if you don't have that,
4: yeah. And I almost think that Voldemort, uh, when he was young, Tom Riddle, he, he the magic that he could do without wands. And I'm not t- necessarily talking about talking to snakes. But in general, the, the, the other magical things that, that he was exhibiting, the other magical behaviors, were almost deeper than you can do with a wand and learn a spell. You know, they were kind of darker and scarier than the normal standard type stuff. And it's weird that, you know, if you get a wand and you channel it and you go to school, it's safer. But it just seems like Voldemort, in, 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 for example, may have gotten even more evil a lot faster if it weren't for school.
3: Well, let's not forget he was also the heir of Salazar Slytherin, and mm. Slytherin wasn't really a a good wizard yeah. either. What's I mean, that was- line
4: in the series? Uh, it is our blood, Harry. Far more than our choices. <laughs> <laughs> <That makes> our- <laughs> <laughs> Paraphrasing um, a bit there, maybe right. But but any- but anyway, yeah, yeah. Omitting a bit about it being <laughs> backwardsing it, um, but yes.
3: Wicca from the forums also states that uh, I don't think the wishes of the parents are taken into consideration, and rightfully so. I think that the children are allowed to decide for themselves whether or not they want to enroll at Hogwarts or not, because it's an important decision that greatly affects their lives. But but okay okay, my problem with this comment is how can a child know that they're yeah. ready for something that this uh, it's this matters true? I here.
4: completely disagree. Of course, the kid's gonna be like, yeah. oh yeah, I want to go. Um, But it's an 11-year-old. You don't know what's best for you, and this is the situation where, you know, perhaps because the wizarding community is such a minority, as is hinted at in the series, Mm -hmm. that maybe there are so few muggle-born witches and wizards a year. And, and, you know, when we get into talks about how many people are in Harry's grade, how many new wizards are there a year, you know, J.K. Rowling's lack of math skills comes into play, which, you know, self-admitted, like she said, I can't do math and how many people there are at Hogwarts, all these questions really don't have answers. But if it's a small enough number of muggle-born kids, I'm thinking, you know, relation to the smaller population of wizards, maybe they really can, people from
3: Hogwarts, can make house calls and sit with the family and explain everything. Rukmini, what do you think? Uh, Do you think a child has the right to be able to decide for themselves whether or not they want to go to Hogwarts?
1: No, I don't think so, but uh, I think that like you said, Dumbledore or somebody would probably go, and they would go to the kid's house, and they would try really, really hard to make the parents okay with, you know, going to Hogwarts. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but yeah. What is
4: boarding school? It is. It is pretty isolated, which is the weird thing. Yeah, is that you know to even if we obviously have the example of Vernon and Petunia who want nothing to do with Harry. And I think they were going to ship them away anyway, but you know if you have really attentive parents that want to see their kid more than twice a year during holidays, um that might be an issue as well, right, right, because sending them off to a boarding school that's like far, far away, you need a train to get there could be an issue yeah there there yeah. are
2: there are a few people in the forums. that's the, the there were a few people who mentioned that that like it's it, if if some kids may not want to go to boarding school. <laughs> So right, right. That, that's kind of an inconvenience for some. I mean it makes sense in terms of what's being taught. I mean you can't just – I don't think you could just go to a school for magic that you can come home every afternoon. Like right, that probably exactly. wouldn't work out very well.
3: Exactly. <laughs> so uh, another comment from the forums comes from the saying Girl. And she writes, we know that magical parents sometimes decide to homeschool their children or send them to a different school like Durmstrang. But non-magical parents wouldn't be able to teach their child to channel their magic appropriately, as I think we were just saying. I imagine the ministry would have to step in, as muggle-born witches or wizards in that position are likely to pose a risk to the statute of secrecy. Would make for a very sad situation, though? Probably why Hogwarts sends special special messengers in the first place. I wonder if these messengers are given a certain amount of freedom in using subtle bits of magic as a persuasion skill. Like the ones we see Albus perform on Mrs. Cole when he goes to the orphanage to offer Tom a place at Hogwarts. Can we
4: clear up my memory for me a moment? what what does Dumbledore do to Mrs. Cole? He he
2: she's she's really hesitant to let him see Tom because he can't give her any credentials of who he is.
4: Oh right. So okay. he
2: kind of pulls like an Obi Wan and it's like <laughs> this this is the this is the guardian you're looking for. And yeah. then yeah, that's that's how that goes down. Smooth. Okay, okay. He so he yeah.
1: also um conjures up some gin and gets her a little bit. That's drunk. right, yeah, he gets
4: her drunk. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's Half Blood Prince, and we were almost. Done maybe with the these series. messengers. Maybe these messengers just get the parents of the Muggleborns drunk. <laughs> maybe it's. Maybe it's that
3: simple. Well, I, that wouldn't involve any magic, at least.
4: <laughs> well, it's it, well if you're conjuring liquids, which we have another problem with that we'll get to later in this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's, it's
2: interesting, too, because Cyan Girl also later went on to say in her comment later on that um, she mentioned kind of what you were talking about, Eric, that um, what the kind of magic that Tom was doing was pretty dark. And Dumbledore, in a way, he he's kind of suggests giving Tom a choice whether he can go or not. But then mm. he – he in a way, what he does when he talks to Tom, he doesn't really make it a choice because he outs him with all of his – like all the things he's stolen from the children. right um, So it's really not a choice. He kind of makes him say, like, you know, I'm going to get you in a lot of trouble if you don't say yes. But, so – But I don't
3: I, – you know, I don't think that that – I mean, yeah, as a – I mean, as an adult doing that kind of, uh, I guess, psychological – thing to a to a child i think that tom would have gone anyway because he was more interested in what dumbledore could do as far as like magic and he wanted to learn more and yeah
2: maybe he, you know maybe, things like that maybe that was more to show tom like if you do go to hogwarts no funny business right so, right or i will well, burn with him. you i will
3: burn okay. you like i burn this wardrobe like, this
4: wardrobe is you <laughs> oh gosh that's so harsh um, can, can you browbeat children into coming to Hogwarts oh. that... <laughs> 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 But it's one of the, um, it's one of the ambiguities, one of the great ambiguities, I think. Do they or don't they have a choice? Which is obviously this whole question that we're talking about. That's like yeah. the, that's the question of like the whole series is choice.
2: So that's, <laughs> Do that's a, a, does have everybody a have a choice? But that, I think yeah. that's, I, I, I think maybe, maybe it's that they, since, you know, for Harry, they send Hagrid versus dumbledore for tom maybe it depends on how much persuading yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it depends <laughs> on how how much this is they think this is gonna take I mean, they obviously send Hagrid for brute force, because Dumbledore was probably like, well, if the Dursleys resist, just beat them up.
4: But... Right. <laughs> think about how many doors get broken down over Britain every year because they're sending Hagrid to do With, those, yeah. Those, yeah. those difficult chilies. If Hagrid
2: breaks <laughs> your door down, are you going to say no to that?
1: Do <laughs> you like- Do you think they, like, spy on the Muggles beforehand just to see what kind of... Force or persuasion might be required. I
3: oh some kind of recon or intel. Yeah,
1: something like that. Yeah, I think they
2: maybe since McGonagall can turn into a cat and she totally did that. She did it of her own accord before Dumbledore brought Harry.
1: Right,
2: but maybe they Mm. maybe they thought that that was a really good idea
4: and started doing it. Couldn't that just be Harry Potter? Because he's Harry Potter. We're so spoiled (laughs) because every everybody's spying on young Harry. Right, we just think that they could do that everywhere. That's true. But but I do like this idea of <laughs> Hagrid going around Dumbledore. It's like basically like Hogwarts uh intimidation squad. of <laughs> People going around getting muggle-born children to to say yes. Right. Can you can you imagine how like extra difficult this would be
2: if like one of the parents did not know their children was magical and the other one was a witch or wizard and had kept the secret? And the kid was just acting weird, and then that happens. <laughs> like, it's just oh, by the way, honey, I have a secret
4: mm. that I've been keeping from you for a while. Well, didn't in McGonagall's backstory on Pottermore, isn't there a big issue where one of her parents was magical, the other one wasn't? Yeah, yeah, her mother, yeah. her mother
2: was magical, and her father. wasn't. But was it not.
4: tears the family apart, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, because that secret was almost kept, even or was kept the whole way, wasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, it was. It
3: was. until the very bitter end. So. Yeah, well, we're getting away from ourselves here. Anyway. So um our next comment, and I dare I say our last comment, is going to be from Pidwidgeon, um, and, and they state, uh on the Muggle-born kids being taken away to Hogwarts, I feel like they would almost have to be. Think about Dumbledore's sister and what happened to her when she didn't use her magic. It got bottled up, and it ended up killing her. If a child is going to – if a child is kept from going – and learning how to channel their magic, they would be a huge danger to themselves and to those around them.
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Jumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
4: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+. I like this comment, and I think that the result uh, is, you know, very similar to the conclusion we're all making here that it's probably best if the muggle-born child says yes and so, are we all agreeing that there's probably not really a choice?
3: Much, uh, yeah. I think I, I think yeah. I would have to say so.
2: Yeah, I think that there. I think maybe it is the situation with with like either a Dumbledore or a Hagrid type that they send Dumbledore, who's good at spinning his words so that you can't say no, or Hagrid, who's just like. You're going to say no? Well. <laughs>
3: I'll break both your legs. <laughs> but, but but, you're a wizard, Harry. Yeah. I'll break both your
2: legs, and then I'll have to take you to Hogwarts so we can fix them. So everybody wins. Yay! <laughs>
3: So that wraps up all the comments from uh, this past week's discussion, and we're going to kick it on over to Michael right now, who has the podcast question of the week responses.
2: Thank you so much, Terrence. So uh, last week's question, which was presented by Laura, was uh, in relation to picking up Harry from the Dursleys. And the question was, how would the Weasleys picking up Harry from Privet Drive have gone differently if Molly had been sent instead of Arthur? Would they have been less afraid or offended by Molly? Would the twins have even tried their gag with the Tun tong toffee in front of their mother? And would the Dursleys have reacted as rudely, no matter who it was who came to pick Harry up? Now, there were a lot of responses to this. It was actually interesting because it was kind of split down the middle of people who thought it would have gone well and people who thought it would have gone badly. About, just like kind of by a slim majority, people were saying that Molly would have handled the situation better. Uh, She would have been on time she would have kept a watchful eye on Fred and George if she had even permitted them to go in the first place. And Mm. she would have made the whole visit as painless as possible. Um, Although everybody's most pretty much everybody said that the Dursleys probably would have still taken jabs at her. Um, But some of the general, but some of the responses that were a little more specific, uh, one was a Rose Lumos on the main Alahumara site who said, for some reason, I imagine Molly taking the night bus to pick up Harry it might be more than it might cost more than flu powder, but I think she would have seen all the problems with unknowingly hooking the Dursley's fireplace up to the network. Uh do you think Molly would have used some kind of other transportation to get there? Because the fireplace is kind of the first debacle.
3: I think
4: that's a fair point, to be like I'm not sold I wasn't sold on the night bus until I paid a little bit more attention to what the comment was actually saying, and I, I think it is a more appropriate uh method of travel for people who clearly Fear, magic, it really comes down to, you know, the Dursleys don't really know the aunt and uncle that well, um, so they they couldn't necessarily have made that, that that problem. But, you know, I really wonder why Fred and George did even come along, you know, well, like you said, like why they were brought. That was clearly a, a mistake for Arthur.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was a big no-no. Really, because I mean, everywhere those two go, there's there's trouble that falls, Especially at this time in their young lives, so I think it was, um, you know, they were just begging for trouble whenever whenever the Weasley twins were brought.
1: But why would even uh, why would Arthur even take them with him? I mean, like family yeah. outing. Let's go to these Muggles.
2: I I'd <laughs> like to think that the, I'd like to think it's kind of along those lines, Romina. I was I was just thinking that maybe Fred and George were like. Oh dad, we've never seen a muggle house before. Wouldn't that be fun?
4: That would yeah. be so fun dad. <laughs> well they do they do have a purpose which is to do the brute yeah. force of loading Harry's trunk. So they're maybe that's why they 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 were brought along is oh. because they offered to to get Harry's school supplies for him. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was it.
3: Well, I don't I don't know because obviously they're not afraid of using magic in front of the Dursleys and we, you know with a flick of the wand Arthur could have just as easily, you know, um levy corpus or or uh <laughs> levy corpus <laughs> <Wow. laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry i know i should I, I know i should know better he that's could have dark. easily flicked his wand used a spell and you know gotten harry's school supplies that's i don't know i don't know i mean it's possible um that's what the twins are brought for but yeah i think i agree with you michael with uh with uh you know, them just wanting to see, oh, dad, we've never seen, you know, a, a muggle house before. And, you know, the, them expressing interest in a muggle's house, which is Arthur's bread and butter, you know, learning about muggles <laughs> yeah. pretty much, um, you know, kind of tugged at his heartstrings a little bit and like, wow, they're really interested in my work. I'm going to bring my boys <laughs> along with me, you know. I yeah. guess
4: that's true. You know, if they had asked, I don't think he would have turned them away at all. So yeah, I think you're right.
2: Yeah. It's just like Dumbledore twisting, twisting his words well. Fred and George <laughs> do it the same way. But we had a really, um, a very, uh, thought provoking comment from Jake Ponser who said maybe if Molly had gone and met them properly at their house, they could have realized truly how kind and warm And normal, a witch could be. Perhaps this would have changed the Dursley's attitude towards magic in some way. This could have had an astounding effect on the rest of the series. Dudley might not have panicked, uh, might have panicked less when he was with Harry during the Dementor attack in Order of the Phoenix. The Dursley's may have trusted Dumbledore when he visited in Half-Blood Prince. And their departure and farewell to Harry could have, as a result, been less awkward and more friendly. And as I said to you guys before we started recording, I think that's like basically saying that Molly would have given the, the Dursleys
4: a spiritual experience, <laughs> and I really wanted because Eric, you you had some interesting responses to this. So yeah, I like this comment a lot because I think and and just reading last week's chapter where this this incident occurs with Arthur Weasley, I think it gets downplayed a lot. Um, it's barely there. It's it's almost. It's almost subtextual that the meeting uh, between the Dursleys and the Weasleys is actually quite important and it, it really, I think, reinforces, um, because it goes so wrongly, it really reinforces a lot of the Dursleys' thought and feeling on the matter um, because they explode their living room. And to be honest, I'm going to talk about this a little at the beginning of this chapter, but I really don't think he puts the whole living room back. Um the, the 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 whole way that that he should with a simple reparo so it, it's just this disastrous thing and i was thinking how important it was the meeting and jake's comment about you know if molly had gone she may have completely changed their minds i think that's right um because ultimately we see that she cares for harry but isn't as bumbling as uh as arthur weasley you know is
2: rick meanie rick meanie what would you say to this i'm interested to hear what you think too on this one
1: I think I kind of agree with you, Michael. I mean, it's true that Molly would have been nicer, but she I don't think she would have changed the entire series. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think they would have seen Molly more as the exception to the rule. I mean, there's James, who's been sarcastic to them at their wedding or whatever it was Mm -hmm. on Pottermore. There's Hagrid, who's broken down their front door. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, I just don't think they've had very good experiences with magic in yeah. general
3: jake i'm gonna have to play devil's advocate here with you buddy um i i think the the dursleys are just so uh they they've got that bitter taste of magic in their mouths and they really don't uh i don't think that they're open to seeing it any other way but, i mean but, through but, the
4: terrence they're they're if i could interject here their whole attitude towards magic is because they the wizards that they've come into contact with are reckless you know, like, even Vernon in the previous chapter is questioning Harry. How are they arriving? What are they wearing? You know, I hope they have the, the the sense to wear something appropriate. I've seen what your lot wears. That's the thing, is if Molly showed up using, I want to say public transportation, using the <laughs> night bus, was on time. That's the biggest thing that Molly would have done differently, I think, is would have been on time. The fact that um, Arthur Weasley's like... Half an hour to an hour late, I think it is, and it's it's completely unacceptable. And they use flu powder, which is instantaneous, so there's just no excuse. Um, I think it would have changed their opinion drastically. You know, maybe just baby steps here in terms of creating a, a better picture for the Dursleys, but I, I think Molly would have it, basically Arthur made it worse, yeah. and Molly would have either kept it at where it was before she came or made it a little bit better. Yeah. Their pers- perspective of wizarding kind.
3: I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that Arthur, uh, didn't have the ingredients of disaster because he really did. And that would have put a sour taste in anybody. Uh, but I'm, th- I'm thinking that no matter what, um, you know, the, the, they're, they're just so turned off. The Dursley's are so turned off by the wizarding world because really Lily never gave Petunia a reason other than being a witch herself. She never gave her reason to hate uh magic and i think that the, uh, that even seeing molly as this normal kind of person that 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 she can be um i think that uh it would stir up those old feelings that petunia Uh, had about her sister and just you know vernon goes along with whatever petunia says anyway that's why he hates the wizarding world because she hated it and because of her experiences and well also james gave him a reason as well but still um i think that they're just so turned off that not really anything could change that i think we're we're gonna have to meet
2: in the middle on this one with as far like, I think we'll meet in the middle and say that like maybe there would have been I will safe answer there the the Dursleys would have had us just an indifference to Molly and mm, and yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I like that mm. that mm, is good confirmation on that we do have a few com few more comments our next comment comes from Gus Gus says things would have been much much worse. If Molly came, Hestia Jones, Daedalus Diggle, and Mr. Weasley have all reacted to the Dursley's treatment of Harry and specifically their lack of affection in saying goodbye. Molly is perhaps the most affectionate person in the series, but also the most fiery. When things don't happen the way Molly wants, especially when they concern her family and Harry, she's like a lion. Think about her argument with Sirius in order, with Arthur in prisoner, and even her treatment of Hermione after the Rita Skeeter article in Goblet. A Molly Vernon showdown would never have the comic hilarity provided by Arthur (laughs) and the twins, but it would be much more
4: explosive. The only point I want to make here is the Dursleys may have said goodbye to Harry. They may have if they weren't so on edge by the fact that their living room had just been destroyed. So Molly wouldn't necessarily have had to tell them off. I like that Arthur came to Harry's defense here, held him back and was like, wait, wait, don't go, Harry. He's going. You should say goodbye. You're not going to see him. And it's true that Molly would have exploded more. I do agree with that. Um But I think the Dursleys were so on edge that that's, that's kind of what caused their... Yeah, they're indifferent to Harry on most days, but if they had been overwhelmed with warmth from Molly, it would have been a completely different scene.
1: I think Molly has the sense not to... Pick a fight with vernon just because i mean she would have the sense to be like okay i'm probably never going to see these people again so you know while i might tell them nicely i'm not gonna you know blow up at them
2: i think yeah i think that's very true because molly tends to only react if people give her reason to if they instigate it um so if, if molly's i think a little more perhaps uh discerning in picking her battles versus, because it's funny that you say that Eric, that you like that uh Mr. Weasley jumps to Harry's defense. Cause every time I read that part and I still did this last time I cringe. And it's like, it's not that I don't like what Arthur's doing, but I'm, I'm since we're so in Harry's perspective, like I just like, and she writes it so well, you can feel, yes.
4: you can feel the awkward tension of just like, you can see <laughs> the gears turning or, or Harry can see the gears turning in his uncle's mind. Like, what is it that just somebody who destroyed his living room is giving him ma- manners and advice <laughs> on manners? It's like... It's, but it is that. It is that exactly. Like, that's kind of the difference between what Molly would have done and what Arthur would have done. hmm
2: And, uh... Our last comment comes from Daniel Sharp, and Daniel says, The fact that the Dursleys are speechless throughout most of this encounter is a blessing in disguise. Just imagine how rude Vernon could have been to that dumpy woman if given the chance and had even insulted her family. By the way, dumpy woman is in quotes, just for all of you. I am not calling Mrs. Weasley a dumpy woman. I would have thought that being in his own home would have given Vernon a false sense of confidence. Hmm. Family is everything to the Weasleys, but more so to Molly as a stay-at-home mom. Her family is her entire life, and I think because of this, her reaction to the Harry Dursley parting would have been even way more over the top than Arthur. So again, we're thinking that possibly because of Mrs. Weasley's attachment to family, she may have blown up. But isn't that an interesting idea that Vernon would have felt more power in his, on his home turf? Do you guys think that's true?
4: Yeah, but he was ex- he wasn't expecting people to show up from behind the wall i think that's what got to him it's like he he boarded the flew up way back god bless him in book one in book one for for boarding up the what is it, the letter no slot act, and act, the fireplace. actually
2: that's the, and they talked about that last week and that was the other discussion but that's actually um apparently according to rosie the a lot of people in britain have false fireplaces and mm-hmm. so they're just kind of like they're 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 not boarded up necessarily. They're just like blocked. And it, that, Harry yeah. makes clear that it's electric. But yeah, that's that's why that is the way it is.
4: It's not. Uh, yeah, I think the fact like Harry, whatever Vernon would have felt to like being in control of the situation, like going to answer the door, that sort of thing, that was all taken from him when they showed up behind the wall and had to get out. It's just like. How does that happen? <laughs> well, yeah, so,
2: but, but if, if he had had that control in the first place, if Molly had just shown up at the door, which is likely what she would have done, do you guys, mm. do any of you think Vernon would have felt more confident
3: in taking a jab at her? Vernon's hmm. going to take a jab at her anyway because she's magical, I think. I don't know. He's afraid of her because she's magical. Though. He, he would be, you know, he'd be kind of cowering behind Petunia, I think. Get that dumpy woman out of here. She's part of your lot. You know, all that kind of stuff.
4: I don't know. It's impossible to say how the Dursleys would have reacted because Arthur just rubbed them the wrong way so quickly. Well, it really is. I, I think there's a possibility and a potential, you know, before we move on, that that, that the Dursleys really could have been almost cordial to her, um, at the very least deferent or indifferent mm. to her arrival. I really think so because ultimately it is that, you know, Catch-22 where... Yes, they have to interact with someone they don't—they don't want to—but they're getting Harry. They're getting rid of Harry two weeks in advance. So ultimately, I think it would have been a more or less amicable parting. And again, with all the things the other commenters were saying about not bringing Fred and George, would have led to a far greater um, result.
2: Rukmini, did you have anything to add to this?
1: Um, just that Vernon. Well. I don't think Vernon would have been rude to her or anything if she hadn't blown up his fireplace, which I think we agreed we had, she had enough sense not to do. Um, but I also think that he I, – I don't know if I'm just pulling this out of my head or if there's any evidence for this. But I think that he would be more prone to insult her just because she's a woman as well. I mean I think he can be kind of sexist.
2: Mm. That's an interesting element. That's that That's fun. a very good point, I think. Uh, yeah. I think that's possibly true, but at at any rate, it's it sounds like we're pretty much in agreement that things at least would have gone better if Molly had had been the one to pick him up.
4: Laura will be so surprised that we had such a good discussion
2: on this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she'll be thrilled. But we want to thank you guys all for sending in uh, your comments on that. We really appreciate it very much.
3: And before we continue with uh, the rest of the show here, we want to, re- we want to remind fans of Aloha Mora that you can now purchase the Harry Potter ebooks and audiobooks directly on the Aloha Mora website. And guess what? You'll get 10% off the entire series. They're both available in a variety of languages, you know, German, Italian. Uh, both the UK and US English for audiobooks and, uh, German uh, and the uh, UK and US English, French, Italian, Japanese for the ebooks. You guys can also buy the ebook only of Beetle the Bard, Fantastic Beasts and Quidditch Through the Ages with proceeds going all to charity, lumos and comic relief. Again, fans of Lo and More can now purchase the Harry Potter ebooks and audiobooks directly on the Alohomora website, and get 10% off your entire purchase of the entire series. And you can find the exclusive discount links on alohomora.mugglenet.com. And now, on to our discussion for Chapter 5. Chapter 5. Weasley's Wizard Wheezes.
4: Alright, so the first thing I wanted to bring up at the beginning of this chapter is... Harry is traveling via the flu network, and he arrives at the borough. Um And the first thing he is asked is whether or not Dudley <laughs> picked up and ate that candy <laughs> that they left for him. Um, guys, this is just... So clearly it was intentional, and coming off the high that was the previous chapter, um, Harry's in a much calmer setting all of a sudden, and he doesn't know what to expect, except that he soon learns that what they gave Dudley was, in fact, a ton-tongue toffee. And that it's part of a magical uh, line of joke or gag treats. Gag, of course, no pun intended. Because <laughs> um, you're gagging on your ton-tongue. But uh, from their shop, or their soon-to-be line of jokes, uh, Weasley's Wizarding weeges. My comment has to do with just the, the, the words that J.K. Rowling uses because when I was first reading Book Four, and I was roughly you know twelve years old or something, I don't think I knew the word tongue. So reading it, you know how you have like those words when you're reading where you just like, oh, it's that word, and like you're reading it in your head and you skip over it, and right? It's like yeah. okay, it's that yeah. word. I'm making a note of that word, but I don't know what it is. Um, the fact that it's like ton tongue toffee, and I think in the British English it's t o n n e as well. So it's like Tunny Tungu Toffee. I was like, I didn't know what it was, and I'd never had toffee. I don't think I've still had toffee. And I don't know what wheezes are either. So this chapter, right from the bat, had just got me really, really confused because Joe was using words that were beyond me at the time.
0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
4: ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No by law. 18+ terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: I just didn't get it. You can get through the chapter without really understanding that a wheeze is like from laughing, like from a joke. But it's a stretch. It's almost too much of a stretch. It's funny that Joe should choose to do this. What do you guys think? It's wheeze, because
2: I, I looked up, because I realized actually as I was reading. Um, I mean, I know that wheeze, it, yeah, wheeze from laughing, but I never thought that's what she, uh, like, I was like, is that what she means by Weasley's Wizard Wheezes? I never knew exactly what wheeze meant in the way she was using it, but it actually is a British slang for a trick, an idea, or a plan, which. Is, isn't that? It's like a lovely, multi layered, perfect word for Fred and George, right? It right. It's just. It, it's almost too clever for you and me, Eric, as as twelve year olds reading this book.
4: <laughs> yes, as uneducated twelve year olds who aren't British, never. D- wheeze means it's a British slang for a trick. Huh?
1: Yeah. Or it's, that, that's it's, just. It's yeah. pretty common as well. I mean, I grew up in India. I read the entire series when I was in India, so I have all the British versions of it. And, I mean, I knew what a what a wheeze was just from reading other British books. So if Rosie was here, I think she would tell you it's quite common.
4: I'm so glad that you can speak for Rosie. Because <laughs> <now>. <laughs> otherwise, we're just like, we're American, and we're like, never heard that word before. Ooh. Right. So that's good to know that it's common, and that J.K. Rowling isolated half of the world and her biggest fan base for that word. So...
2: <laughs> we're just oh, feeling.
1: She's
2: the queen. We're we're she is the queen. We're feeling dumber by the minute, right? We got sorcerers
4: because we're stupid, and now we don't know
2: what <laughs> wheeze means.
4: <laughs> uh, wheeze is right. I still don't get it. It's like I and I, I don't understand. You know, poo. We'll come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> two 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 books. We'll come back to that. Okay, I promise. Um, and then, but then there's the tongue toffee. Did that screw you guys up at all? No, no, not really. Oh. It's okay. it, a heavy no. tongue. Your tongue weighs a tongue. Yeah, you're... <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous saying it. Well, it's brilliant. It's just good to be, and I think Harry feels the same, um, and so do all of the children, too, that what Fred and George are doing is brilliant and has real promise. But, of course, Molly Weasley would not agree. And neither would Arthur Weasley at this present moment because almost immediately upon their return, they barely have time to talk. Uh, Arthur apparates, I think, right back to the burrow and begins scolding Fred and George for basically what amounts to undermining his life's work, his (laughs) Arthur's life's work in trying to keep up relations or promote good relations with muggles. In fact, Fred and George have broken the number one rule in Arthur's book, which is respect the muggle?
3: Yeah, well, you know what they 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 gave him a reason on why they did it too. They said that because he was a bullying git. I think that w- those were the words that they used in the in the chapter. Right. Um, and and. You know, Harry's busting a gut over this because it's it's hilarious. I mean, and it really was. Because whenever he said whenever they asked him, I think I think they asked him how long was his tongue by the time he left? And he said like four feet long. <laughs> yeah. It was a yeah, it was hilarious.
2: But you could see if we go off of our previous theory that Fred and George ended up going because they talked their dad into it by saying that they were interested in his work. Wouldn't that – and this is, of course, all speculation, but wouldn't that have made Arthur extra, extra mad? Oh, definitely.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Like – Yeah. I think so. Well, the line from Fred and George that Terrence referenced, um, I think it's closer to saying, yeah, we didn't give him the the sweep because he was a muggle. So it's not – they're essentially saying they didn't target him because he was – a, you know, a Muggle. It's because he was a git. So they did target him. It amounts <laughs> to almost the same thing, except that they weren't trying to disprove her. You know, their father's work. But um, either
1: way, I mean, it. Mr. Weasley is kind of right because, like, if we go back to Jake Ponser's comment about the spiritual experience, <laughs> um, this this definitely contributes to the Weasleys' dislike and mistrust of wizards and magic. I mean, that's the simple truth. I think.
4: That's a really good point. I mean, so what if Fred and George accidentally let it behind or they gave it to Dudley by saying, here, take this. It'll make you feel better. Uh, Either way, it amounts to the same thing, which is that they have tricked or what's the word? Uh, they've abused Dudley. So? Dudley has been abused. Well, in the same – no, it's in the same way that Arthur has abused the the Dursleys by blowing away the fireplace. Uh, well – It's just – it's not a good idea. Oh,
3: OK. So Arthur did it uh, – Arthur didn't do it intentionally, I'm sure. I sh- I'm i sure he didn't have the preconceived notion of going to the Dursleys' house and blowing up their fireplace, but well, – he didn't expect it to be locked. He didn't <laughs> – but at least clean up after yourself. Well, yeah, I think he yeah.
4: came a little – he came a little too quickly for – You know, this is the other point that I wanted to bring up here is that – you know he apparates almost immediately after Harry travels, which means he pretty much had time to do a reducta or not a reducta. With Dudley. <laughs> oh my god! How do you? Can you imagine Dudley just crumbling to ash? Um, no, no, no! On his tongue to 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 what's the spell? Oh, <laughs> um, what's the opposite of engorgio? Unengorgio. Reducio. Oh, Reducio. Reducio. <laughs> Reducio. But not reducto. No. Reduc- Reducio. Reducio. <laughs> okay. Whatever. Reducio. Uh, on Dud- I'm failing, I'm hitting all of the wrong bases on this, this accent. <laughs> Terribly sorry, people. Um, Reducio on his tongue and get out of there. I mean, yes, it's true that it wouldn't take long to clean up. I don't think that Arthur cleaned up after himself. Do you think do you and think he just shrunk Dudley's tongue and then was like, oh god, okay, bye. <laughs> <Just like> yeah. <laughs> well, he would have had to have been because even though, look, the good thing is that he persisted because the the Dursleys were going to end up to going to like a hospital the same way they did with the pig's tail and have it like cut off or something <laughs> oh, terrible. God. Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, come on. It probably still would have grown. It would have filled up the whole car by the time they got to the hospital. <laughs>
3: that would have been funny. They're like, well, they we're back dri- with them again. Oh, great, a pig's tail the first time, and then now a long tongue. What, what is your kid getting into?
4: Yeah, yeah. At least in the later books, the Weasleys have the antidote with them or like right next to it. It's like the second half of the same capsule. This time they didn't. But I think that it took them long enough to allow Arthur Weasley to fix Dudley, mm-hmm. that I really don't mm-hmm. think he would have also fixed their place because once their son was fixed, I think they could they would have just embraced him and said, Go, get away. Like, I think he had to hightail it out of there, to be honest. Um, even if it meant not fixing their well, okay place, was that was
3: there a um, I don't remember uh, later on in the uh, in the later books, but um, cleaning up the mess, you know, part of Arthur's job. Um, does that include, uh, specialty and memory charms as well? No, well, I, because he works for
4: the ministry. If a memory charm was needed, I would assume he could just phone that in and be like, Hey guys, you need to come over here. And they like probably owe him one from when he like showed them how plugs work or something. So, um, <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I can see, I can see them bartering to get, to go get some memory charms put in, but Typically, I'm sure that can't be recommended to continue memory charming your way through. You know, if they were to if they were to use a memory charm
2: every time something went wrong with an, a, a Dursley encounter, I think they would just like the Ministry would actually
4: stop sending <laughs> the, the squad to their the taxpayer house. Taxpayer dollars, <laughs> wasting taxpayer dollars on all these memory charms for the Dursleys. <laughs> well, actually, they hit their quota later on at the campground with the Quidditch World Cup, don't they? all the memory charms that they have to place on that muggle. So we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, basically the other thing that happens at the very, very beginning of this chapter is that Harry meets bill and Charlie, um, who he doesn't know has never met before, but immediately he figures out who they must be. Not only because the red hair, um, but he identifies bill separate from Charlie. So I thought this was really cool. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there, there's this point made on um, the characterization of the Weasleys and how J.K. Rowling manages to make seven different children different. Yeah. Um, no, so.
4: Absolutely. I mean, Bill adds us, and and um, I think the exact quote from the book is, there were no better words for it. Cool. He's cool. <laughs> and it's just like, that's, that's a way she's never described in the other Weasleys. He's cool. He has a ponytail. He has an earring. He's cool, and Charlie is, just has scars because mm-hmm. he works with dragons. So it's it's very interesting characterization, the way that Joe is able to, to introduce, you know, to be fair, like she did, we had some interaction with Charlie back, was it in Sorcerer's Stone? With, yes. you know, picking up Norbert. Yeah. Um, at least that wasn't Charlie, but it was his friends. So, but he's still kind of an active player. Like we heard about the Weasleys, which is great. It wasn't just all of a sudden, hey, there's two new Weasley brothers. Um, They were mentioned before, which Joe is really good at making sure that these characters get their mentions in yeah. before their introduction. So that eased it a little bit. But basically like they walked up and they were living, breathing characters as soon as they shook Harry's hand. It was brilliant.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think the calluses on Charlie's hand was a really nice touch. Like that immediately shows outdoor guy, hardworking. Okay, the dragon brother.
2: Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And well, and then you get Bill, who's got like his his dragon hide boots and his earring and his and his his long hair. Yeah, no, the the it's it, it is actually. I never really reflected on it till now. But just to think how there's she had to create seven for the Weasley kids, very distinct personalities. And they do all come through as being very... They, they Even though they all feel very connected as a family, they all have very unique traits about them I mean... You know, Ginny's. We just get around that by not talking about Ginny pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Why? Come on. She's, well, she's you're
4: thinking, movie Ginny? I think Ginny is important, but it's 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 unfair to comment on Ginny before like the middle of book six. It really just is. It really it really is. Well, she's, well she, she's as
2: soon as she is distinct though in that sh- in that unlike the other Weasleys who are pretty bold, social people, she's very shy. Um, and she and yeah. so that's that's kind of her defining trait, I think, for the first three books or so and then by four she starts becoming a part of the 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 group because i i do love in book three when she when she's 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 going with harry ron and hermione to sit down and and they want to talk about they want to talk about stuff with harry and ron just says go away Ginny and <laughs> but, he, but he doesn't do that anymore in this book which is really nice she is becoming
4: kind of her we
2: see her starting to become her own character really yeah
4: no that's fair, but um so now the the our meeting of the Weasley family is complete, which is uh a, an important uh thing to check off the list is that we've now met all of the weasley children um and speaking of Weasley children, Percy is up to his uh knees in 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 work for the ministry. Uh and this is actually a good a good fun fun scene really when they're going upstairs essentially Molly Weasley crashes the party uh and <laughs> Fred and George are stuck downstairs with her while Arthur explains what it is that just happened at Privet Drive in the meantime they go upstairs and they have a little chat with Percy
3: who's got who's on a very important assignment from the ministry you know did anybody think while reading this part about Percy um Anybody ever think about that part from Half Blood Prince where Cormac McLagan says, my father will hear about this, you know, all pompous and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't know. This, this part about, uh, Percy was like, Oh my God, Percy, just shut up. Just, I, <laughs> yeah, I no. I, no, I never
2: think that, you know, honestly, with Percy for me, I, I'm one of the few people, I think, in the world who gets a real kick out of Percy. I love pretty much everything that comes out of his mouth, because it's it's always badly timed. He always says the wrong thing. And it's it's kind of like, I find it lovably endearing. And he, the stuff that
4: he says provides some of the best humor, I think, amongst the Weasleys. So... I and it's it's such a problem having Fred and George to 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 essentially strike at all of your vulnerabilities all <laughs> of the time. It, it's and it's not just even the verbal stuff, which is like which they do a lot of there, and Ron does it too to some extent. Oh, that'll that report'll change the world. I expect <laughs> you know, cauldron leaks. Um, but at the same time, when they send him dragon dung and all this other stuff, they just endlessly pick on Percy. I love Percy too, and I think that um you know just uh, unfortunately he he is a victim of his own family
1: but he is um, so annoying i mean this okay this this is the book and i think this is the chapter where i really just started disliking percy i mean he yeah. was always kind of the annoying older brother before but he was he was okay i mean he was one of the weasleys but this time it's just like gosh stop being so power hungry and Detestable.
4: Oh, no, that's. But Rukmini, I, I, I'm surprised to hear you say this because Book Five is where all that really comes. I in, actually, I he...
2: think Rukmini's right. This is the first chapter where we see Percy talk a lot about the ministry, and he, and he's speaking specifically, very adoringly of Crouch. Ron even points it out. It's like Crouch this, Crouch that. They should get married. And it, it's, it's. This <laughs> is the first time I think we get a hint that Percy's actually got some goals, like real set. Kind of goals that will that he's willing to kind of stomp
4: over his family for it. That's for no, it. <laughs> no, no! I completely disagree. I don't think there's any of that in this chapter at all about him preferring. Well, I, I what I see it as an as an escape route. As Percy's family doesn't like him, you know. Fred and George pick on him every waking moment. They think he's intolerable. They're intolerable to him. He has nowhere to go but to the ministry and to his ambition. To give this report in the hopes that something he does matters, because in a family of seven, here's the other thing about being ambitious in a family of seven, you blend it, you blend too well, they all have red hair, clearly that stands out, but he's trying to find his own way, and I don't see anything wrong with that, but in book five, when he starts saying the ministry thinks that you lot are criminals, and he starts. You know, stepping away from his family because they've, you know, he starts resenting their treatment of him and stepping away. That's when you can make all the bad arguments against Percy.
1: But, I mean, I see the seeds of that right here because he. He's already starting to think that, oh, because I work at the ministry, because I work for Mr. Crouch, I'm automatically more important than all of you. I mean he's working – Is he wrong though? He's working on a report about cauldron bottoms. Bill (laughs) and Charlie (laughs) don't have to be quiet when he's working on a report about cauldrons. If Fred and George – if
4: if Fred and George uh, exist for for, for any reason, it is is to prove that nobody should take themselves too seriously – I can see why that aspect of Percy's character would be annoying to you. um, Because Percy does take himself quite seriously.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, it's not just Fred and George, like I said. I mean, he yells at Bill and Charlie, and they're his older brothers, too.
4: They are crashing tables. Oh, he does yell at his older brothers. That's a good point. Well, my issue is that I think in writing this, too... um, you know, in book five, don't we hear the spell uh, mufliato? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or do we not? Do we not hear it? Is that is that the point? We don't hear it. Um, doesn't that make a room impenetrable by audio? So couldn't he cast that on the outside of his window and the outside of his door and never have to worry ever about any noise anybody was making?
1: Yeah,
3: I don't think the I don't think that that spell was invented at this point. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh,
4: that's what I'm saying. It's just a kind of a development of the writing right, issues right, right. is because it serves the plot. To show what a a pompous, uh, you know, kid he is. Yeah. But uh, looking back, that's just something that struck my mind, and I was like, "Wait a minute! There's a spell for that. (laughs) Like, (laughs) there's an app for that." I'm like, "Percy, just cast the Muffliato." But then I could make the point that maybe it always existed. His family just was never kind enough to do it for him. I'd like to. I think that's. I think that might actually go along with Percy's
2: kind of antagonistic nature with his family. Just he could just use the spell. But he would rather make a show of it, which it's very clear in this Mm. chapter that he loves
4: to make a show to get a... Because he does that later at dinner, so... Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned dinner. Uh, Mrs. Weasley is cooking dinner when they decide to go back downstairs, actually. Ginny, there's this brief moment where they can't bring up Sirius in front of Ginny, so they decide all to go back downstairs. And this is actually a really important, I think, point for our discussion of this chapter, because Mrs. Weasley is cooking... She does, like, her, her wand, she's still upset over Fred and George, so her wand is doing things that she doesn't want it to, and potatoes are flying out of their skins a little too hard, all this other stuff. But there's a lot of interesting things going on with her cooking, because at one point, it is said that she's working with a bowl of, I think it's pasta, sauce begins spewing from her wand. And this is part of just the regular, you know, normal cooking, whatever she is she's making. But, my thought was, "How is this happening? Because I distinctly remember it said in the later books that you know you cannot conjure is, is it especially food or is it just it's other things you can't conjure something out of nothing. It essentially has to come from somewhere, especially food now the the interesting thing I think this
2: is what kind of what we were talking about with Muffliato. I think this was a bit of a retcon on Joe's part because okay. Hermione actually alludes specifically to this moment in Deathly Hallows because Ron is mm. complaining about how hungry he is and he's like, I want food. My mother can make delicious food with her just with her wand. And her and Hermione's <laughs> response is Your mother can't produce food out of thin air. No one can. Food is the first of the five principal exceptions of Gamp's law of elemental Transfiguration. Oh speak English, can't you? It's impossible to make Good food out of nothing. You can summon it if you know where it is. You can transform it. You can increase the quantity if you've already got some.
4: Hmm. By the way, excellent reading there. That was... Thank you.
2: That's why I do audio fictions. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, gosh. Is Hermione still here? Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um... She's,
2: she's, she, she's, <laughs> she always pops in for, like, the, the logical anecdotes. But uh, she, yeah. that I mean, in a way, this is kind of Jove. I, I, she. I think she was so determined to just not give the trio food in Deathly Hallows. so <laughs> because, like I think, that, feed us, please, uh, th- please, mum. Uh, I want some, please, Miss Rowling, just a bit of bread. But I think, I think that that, but it does get around it because you could possibly argue that. Whatever sauce Mrs. Weasley she was make, was making,
4: I mean, perhaps she already had made a little bit, or perhaps she had some right, somewhere and, else and just stored it in her wand or put it in a special pot at the other end of the room. I completely agree, and that's kind of the solution I came to. I don't,
1: um, I don't think so though, because I have the um, book open. It's page fifty-five of the UK edition, and um, after the potatoes. Uh, slam off the walls and ceiling. She's pulling saucepans out of the cupboard. And then the quote is, she slammed a large copper saucepan down on the kitchen table and began to wave her wand around inside it. A creamy sauce poured from the wand tip as she stirred. So unless she has sauce stored in the cupboard, which would be a little strange...
4: <laughs> I was one. You don't know. <laughs> you, you don't know. Her.
1: I don't. I don't.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you don't know her.
1: You don't know. You can't
2: criticize where she keeps her sauce. It's a good way to shut down any argument on Harry Potter. You don't know them. <laughs> but,
4: well, I don't mean
2: to be as abrasive. Well, no, no, no. Maybe, maybe it's that she. Okay, maybe she pre-made it and put it in the fridge. And wizards are sometimes lazy, and so she was just like, "I'll just summon it out of my wand to heat it up." elaborate
4: elaborate way to get around Did it do the weasleys have a fridge Do, do they have do, a fridge does, mad, does electric work at the burrow <laughs>
3: how do they keep things cold yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> same oh thing gosh. the same way they kept things cold back in the, like the 1800s they they must have like ice or something the underground dig a salad. dig a
4: yeah, hole yeah. and put ice in it yeah <laughs> yeah um but, uh, yeah, do we have any other comments regarding food?
1: Yes. Uh, well, this scene, I mean, there are knives flying across the kitchen, and <laughs> Harry and Ron have to jump out of the way. <laughs> so you've talked about safety before on Morrow, so I just thought I'd point that out.
2: <laughs> no, that I think that's a very worthy point because that there's, I mean, that even goes along, I, I know the girls were talking last week about the possible horrible consequences of Tuntung Toffee, and that, like, D- Dudley was essentially choking on it, like his own tongue. Yeah. And, yeah. and here we are with Mrs. Weasley throwing knives around. And this isn't the last time. There's a very memorable scene in Order where a knife comes very close to Harry's hand. Um, so it, I think wizards are just a little more... I feel wizards are a little more devil-may-care about safety because they can fix things so easily.
4: Right. That's just it. Just grow it back. <laughs> <laughs> you, loo- you lose a finger, we'll reattach it. Reparo. Sell that <laughs> to Peter Pettigrew. Oh, gosh. He wanted that. <laughs> <laughs> it was – oh, oh gosh. How can I say this? It was an aesthetic choice <laughs> Oh, <okay. laughs> to be without a, be without a, a finger um, or whatever it was. Um, but you're right. I think uh, – well, regardless, dinner is very good. Be- but before it happens, I, I did want to bring up Crookshanks, <laughs> Crookshanks um, and the gnomes. Okay, everybody. <laughs> Was this not the the coolest thing in this whole chapter? I you know what
3: <laughs> I'm I'm still having okay, the, the chapter it? describes a gnome as being like ten inches tall. That's a pretty big gnome. I mean if you think about it, that's that's really, really tall.
4: This cat is going after these garden gnomes.
3: So what does it do whenever <laughs> he catches
4: them? Eats them? They or? have little they have these little feet. They look like I think she said potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> like potatoes with legs. The cat who's so vicious, who is, you know, going after scabbers all in the previous book, but for right reasons, is now being endlessly entertained with gnomes. I just think gnomes, if you had a pet cat, gnomes would be like the the best way to entertain them. It's like better than a, a laser pen or something. You just have a gnome who can actually run away from the cat and they can play together.
3: You know, I think I think at this point, um, J.K. Rowling is channeling the Smurfs and Ajriel. Uh, mm. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah.
2: Uh, That's quite a theory. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not think, consider that considering the rating of the Smurfs on Rotten Tomatoes right now. But, no, oh, okay. oh, <laughs> <but, laughs> you know, I, I think the lovely thing about Crookshakes chasing the Nobs is everything. Rolling just, and this is all throughout this chapter, I think this is why people actually really like this chapter. Um, it's, 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 Rolling Page just a lovely picture of the burrow. This is a place that you would totally want to hang out. I think, and that's, I, that's just part, I love that she describes what's kind of going on in the background. I remember when I got to play the Chamber of Secrets video game for the first time, for, and on the PlayStation, you actually do get to go to the, to the borough, and you get to toss, right, toss gnomes yes. around. And it is an odd, like, I kind of wish they had just more in that space, because it's lovely mm-hmm. to just get a sense of what it's like to hang out on, on an everyday, like, just every day with the Weasleys. It's very comfortable, mm-hmm. and 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 that whole, this whole chapter. Th- I mean, really, I realized this is only the second time we go to the Burrow in the series. Like, right? So it's 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 definitely she makes us love being back here again.
3: Yeah, I mean, from everything in the chapter to uh, from the gnomes to eating outside, you know, underneath the blue sky. I think it, it's described. Harry looks up at the blue sky and you know different things like that. So I, I mean, I think it's very homey. Um, and, and she sets a great, great setting for, you know, just kind of chill and relax.
4: I mean, even Bill and Charlie battling tables, <laughs> right? Right. How, how often have we wanted to do that or have done that with like chairs or something? It's, WWE. Know, it's, amazing. it's just what you would normally find a chair match. It's a chair match it brings a whole new meaning to that. Um, but, uh, you know, just the kind of thing you would want to see your siblings do, you know, mm-hmm. to battle each other. And that kind of thing. So that's a good point. And of course, my final comment uh, happens during the dinner conversation. This is between Barty Crouch, or it's about. This is between Percy and Mister Weasley about Barty Crouch and about actually the disappearance of Bertha Jorkins. Little gem of knowledge here that basically Arthur Weasley and Percy are talking about Crouch's um, or is it Ludo Bagman's? Um, you know, in, in it's Bag uh, it's Bagman that they're if you're, it's yeah. Bagman's uh, inattentiveness, or yes. attentiveness to the disappearance, to the recent disappearance one month ago for, of Bertha Jorkins, and and now Harry, because we expect it, you know the the people who caught Bertha's name the first time in the beginning of this book are now thinking oh, Harry will snap to it and remember that Bertha Jorkins and Voldemort you know were going together that something happened. Well, he doesn't. In fact, there's not even a reference or mention. Like thought he heard that name before. Nothing. So it's still flying under the radar, under all of our noses, and I think it's very clever. Yeah, but there is some discourse on Bagman uh, that I thought was worth mentioning because we haven't met him yet. <coughs> I mean, in, I mean, generally. <laughs> uh, so, would you, if one of your coworkers disappeared,
2: <laughs>
1: <for a> month,
4: <laughs> would you just say, "Oh, they get lost all the time"? Well, I, I,
2: I think we've talked about this in in previous. I was actually on an episode where we talked about this um just the ministry's kind of ineptitude and mm. in general like it's not just ludo this is kind of a like a problem throughout departments um and not that necessarily that they're losing staff mysteriously but i do think that i mean it's made clear that ludo's a very carefree guy and that the magic magical sports and games is a kind of cool place to be which i think is why percy's so disdainful of it so it's It's, um, I'm not, I'm not surprised the way they talk about Ludo and the, and the fact that he's so devil may care about, especially when you factor in that Bertha Jorkins is kind of a cry wolf case. Like Mm. she's like, Oh, she's
4: done this before she'll turn up, you know, somewhere. Well, the way I took it, um, and, and this is kind of one of those, uh, most subtle dramatic moments is that Bertha goes missing and no one cares because they just assume that she's lost you know it's like kind of like everybody passing judgment on Bertha but you know not necessarily wrongfully so because she has got apparently gotten lost like just like this before but everybody's just like oh yeah she's probably lost she pr- she probably read, like, misread Albania. That she, silly Bertha. Yeah, probably yeah. went to Australia <laughs> instead. They're close, right? Australia, Albania, kind of sound the same, kind of spelled the same, same letters? No. They're just like, yeah, she probably went to Australia instead. There's such carelessness and it's like, it's weird to see them dismiss this, uh, to us, it's obvious matter of national and international security. Um, because now Voldemort, you know, from her testimony, Voldemort is able to from her memory, I should say Voldemort's able to build this plan. But, um, you know, I, I just think it's sad to see her disappearance go, get dismissed so, so greatly, uh, by all these different people. And it happens later, of course, in later chapters. Um, the comment I wanted to bring up, and it's on page
2: 64 of the, uh, U.S. edition, but it says that, uh, Harry suddenly remembers about, his reasons for writing is serious and he's about to tell Ron and Hermione, but he hesitates, uh, because he doesn't want to make them sad. He's, he's basically thinking like, Oh, we're having so much fun right now. I don't want to ruin it. Um, and he knows, you know, in the first chapter, the second chapter, it's very clearly outlined how he thinks they'll react. Um, and I just thought it was interesting because the way she says it is almost, is very similar to how Dumbledore explains why he didn't tell Harry all of his reasons uh, are all of the history of Voldemort and his relationship to Voldemort in order. He doesn't want to kill the bus. Yeah. yeah. No, he actually said, he actually says that for chamber in like when he's talking about what happened in chamber of secrets, he's like, Oh, I was just so proud of you. And everybody was (laughs) so happy. And so I just decided to be quiet. And, (laughs) but the interesting thing is he says that he does it. And you know, Dumbledore as, he it's it's a it's a good reason, but at the same time it is fairly flawed, but he's he he does say i was I was trying to protect you and your innocence and it was because I cared about you and I was like and it I just thought that was a really interesting thing because in Deathly Hallows Harry gets so upset with Dumbledore for not sharing things with him, but Harry does this a lot like this is the beginning I feel this particular Story is the real beginning of when Harry stops telling Ron and Hermione things um,
4: immediately. Yeah, like it's starting it's starting him down the path that he needs to take in five. Really, yeah, yeah. When he when he's secretive and feeling like things only happen to
2: him. Yeah, because from yeah. Sorcerers through Prisoner, he loves going on adventures
4: with them. Like he'll f- happily let them come along. So. This is I think it's part of becoming your own man though too. Hmm. He really wants to handle certain situations on his own. He's already written serious about it. He thinks the matter's taken care of. And if he ends up being wrong and nothing ever comes of the scar, it never hurts again. He never has another dream about Voldemort, then he's justified in not telling them because it's not really a big big deal. You know, and then it, again though, if it rears its ugly head again, now that he's in their company, he can easily tell them you know if it happens again. So I really don't think he has anything to lose by not telling them. Because it's either going to happen again or, or it isn't. If it does happen again, it's important enough to bring up for sure. And if it doesn't happen again, it wasn't important enough to bring it up the first time.
3: And he doesn't want to alarm them for any reason, you know, because he's not sure himself.
2: That's true. Yeah, but it's there's definitely an element of I don't know what this is, so I probably shouldn't tell anyone. But I do think I do think it is mixed with I don't know what this is, and I don't want Ron and Hermione to freak. Um,
4: and I don't want to ruin right, ruin right. the good times because my was this dinner delicious. <laughs> yeah, it is his first night back, and they get rushed off pretty quickly to the World Cup and all that other stuff. But yeah, um, I
1: think it's also yeah, maybe it's just, I think it's also the fact that Harry just hasn't had any friends before, and he he doesn't want to be like the depressing buzzkill guy.
4: Oh, uh-huh. or the um, what's the word? Uh, the victim all the time, right? You know, just yeah. who brings the room down because he's always got problems. Always got a big wizard after you. Big evil dark lord got you down, Harry. <laughs> it's <laughs> like we're so sick of it. Can you just imagine Ron and Hermione going, "Not again, your scar, this. Come on, seriously. <laughs> Why don't you get that looked at? Your scar hurt again? Oh, <laughs> well, I want to talk about me. Well, no, that's uh, actually fear of Harry's
2: because eventually in book six that does come to light with Harry's anxieties being like oh Harry you're so silly (laughs) like over and over again so yeah it's I think this is kind of we you know a lot of people call book four a big turning point in the series and I think this is where these we're seeing we're seeing the seeds of Percy in the ministry we're seeing Harry becoming more secretive and becoming
4: more like Dumbledore and it's
2: these changes are already happening early on.
4: Yeah. Very interesting. Cause I think of them as being like tangential or like background stuff. Like in this book, I, I never really before have been connecting a lot as so many of these things to the future of this series. To me, it's just another book. It goes a little bit faster. I think faster paced than every other book before it. Um, but to me, I'm just like, oh, yeah, Harry's feeling this because this. I'm so in the moment. I'm not thinking, oh, yeah, he's going to become, you know, he's being more like he will be in book five. Like book five is essentially the payoff to a lot of these things that we're saying. So that's pretty cool.
3: So it's time for this week's podcast question of the week. In this chapter, Fred and George are revealed to Harry to have constructed an entire line of special treats and to have completely invented their own style of items, such as gag wands. How do they do this? How do the fake wands work? What is the magic behind Weasley's Wizard Wheezes? And how did Fred and George figure out how to do it? We look forward to seeing your responses on the
4: forums and actually on the podcast question of the week section on the main Alahomora page, which is located at alahomora.mugglenet.com. Rugmini, we want to thank you for joining us on this week's episode.
1: Thank you very much. It was great fun to be on.
4: You are a fantastic guest, Rugmini. And uh, to find out how you
2: can be on the show, listeners, head over to the Alahomora website, com. Or email podcast at gmail.com. You can figure out all the details how to do that. We do ask that you have good uh, recording equipment and recording program. Uh, but in the meantime, please subscribe to Alohamora and
3: leave us a review on iTunes and tell us wh- how you think we're doing. And to contact Alohamora, you can also find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash m n, or by the at symbol m n. Also on Facebook.com forward slash Open the Dumbledore. You can also call us at the um, hotline 206-GO-ALBUS. That's 206-462-5287. And guys, one of the coolest
4: things uh, that we have is our Alahamora store where you can get host shirts and shirts with certain sayings on them. Not just shirts, but coffee mugs and tote bags, all sorts of stuff, a variety of items. And the best part, here it comes. Are you ready for it? It is that more designs are being added momentarily. And and Kat just showed us a design recently, which I think is my favorite thing I've ever seen in terms of just... it's just brilliantly drawn. And I cannot wait for it to be released on the Alohomora store. Of course, I'll mention it when it it does become available. But we are adding shirts every... uh, so often. It is pretty frequent, so you can go and check us out and see if... You know, any of the memorable quotes that we have on there, as well as a number of other really intelligent designs, are available in the store to buy. That is the Alohamora store. You can find that link on the Alohamora webpage, alahamora.motherland.com.
2: And Alohamora does have an app, which is available in the US and UK for iPhone and iPad, as well as Android and Kindle. In the US, it is $1.99. And in Britain, it is £1.29. It is now available for Windows 8 phone users, uh, exclusive to the US at the moment. Still the same price. The app includes transcripts, bloopers,
4: alternate endings, host vlogs, and more. So please check it out. That concludes this episode, 42, of Alahomora. We'll see you all next week. We look forward to hearing your responses on our podcast question of the week and comments on our Alahomora forums for any of the discussions we had during this show. Thanks for listening. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Terrence Pinkston. And I'm Michael Harley.
2: Thank you for listening to episode forty-two of Alahamora. Open.
4: Well, the way he di- – I just assume it's manipulation of Latin, right? You assume what the root words are. You know from other magical spells that people know
3: that certain words have power. That is very, very disastrous. Just ask Luna's mom. Oh, wait. We can't.
4: Oh. <laughs> Unexpected harshness in the 11th hour on this. Oh, wait. We can't. Luna's mother is dead. There's a plane overhead. Just give me a moment. <laughs> I wonder where it's coming from. I wonder where it's going to. It's
2: probably going to Leaky Con, London. <laughs>
4: oh God! <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're back into the show.
2: Okay, we're back.
4: <laughs> um, who's Dobby's favorite Weasley?
3: Dobby's favorite Weasley is Ron
4: Weasley, sir. <laughs> Let's just ask that at the podcast. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> who? Who? Which? Which Weasley is Dobby's favorite <laughs> Weasley? <laughs>